welcome to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast, where in every episode we explore what is research culture and what should it be. You'll hear thoughts and opinions from a range of contributors to help you change research culture into what you want it to be. Hi, it's Emma. And for those of you who don't know me yet, I lead the Researcher Development and Culture team at the University of Leeds. And in this role, I get to work on all different aspects of research culture. You're joining us in season one of our Research Culture Uncovered podcast, where we're getting to know our co-hosts in a bit more detail before they go on to host seasons of their own. And I'm really pleased today to be joined by Nick Shepard, our open research advisor at the University of Leeds. He is our expert on open research and also organises our open lunch series of seminars. Do you want to say a quick hello, Nick? Hello. Thanks, Emma. So I'm just going to take Nick back to uh, a time when we were doing the training for these podcasts. And yes, believe it or not, we have had some training for this. Um, But Nick posted a picture of himself, I think, waist high in water, wearing a T-shirt with a question mark. Would you like to fill in the listeners, Nick, on exactly what was going on in that picture? It was a little deeper than waist high, actually. If you remember, we did have a hot summer um, and we've got a puppy recently, but he won't go in the river. Um, he's nine months old now and I didn't want to lose his ball. So his ball had gone in the river, but the dog refused to get it. So I went after it um, and the river's quite shallow. But So I thought as you sort of venture further out towards the middle, it actually deepens very quickly, but the kids were on the bank watching and taking photos. So uh, I had to persevere and retrieve the the ball for the dog, um, but I ended up sort of, well up to my armpits in, in the water. But it's quite refreshing. We had a quite a hot summer, uh, obviously, and uh, so it's quite a, a refreshing cool down. And the dog still won't go swimming, so that's my next job, to get the dog swimming. Well, the dog's probably learnt from you that it's not a great idea because it's often deeper than it looks. <laughs> well, that was the the idea. I was throwing the ball further, a little bit further and further, you see, because he will go in the water, he enjoys the water, but he won't go out of his depth. Um, and obviously my legs are a bit longer than his, but uh, I'm trying to get him swimming, so hopefully at some point... Um, We'll get him swimming. He's a Labrador. They're supposed to enjoy swimming, but at the moment he he's not up for it. But I'm sure maybe next summer we'll get him in the water properly. So by the time Nick goes on to host a season of his own, he'll be able to update you on whether or not the dog is actually swimming. So it would be great to talk about dogs. I've got some of my own. I could talk about those um, for eternity. But we're here today to talk about open research. And I think it's probably fair to say that when you started your career or even when you joined the library, it wasn't necessarily open research that had got you interested or got you engaged. But what was it that has led you to what you do now? Yeah, no, that's very true. And um, I mean, I've it's open access um, is more broadly termed, I suppose. Well, more narrowly, actually. But historically, yeah, I started working in about 2007 on open access. So this was really focused on um, access to the journal article so you know the final peer-reviewed journal article um, and that there's quite a lot of issues still still ongoing with that with open access but then as time's gone on um, you know we're still a long way from solving open access to 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 articles but increasingly I think the sector and certainly the University of Leeds is recognizing that you know it's not just that final article it's everything that goes into that article. So it's the data and the methodology and the protocols, any software and code. Um, you know, increasingly things are being put out through preprints. 
Um, so the whole sort of landscape is changing quite rapidly. Open access is still part of open research, but increasingly open research yeah, is, is, is bigger than, than just open access. So Nick, what is it about open research that really interests you? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I really enjoy working in HE, you know, in, in higher education, in a university. It's, it's a huge privilege. And it developed really from an interest in open access and what's, you know, often referred to as democratization of knowledge. You know, this, this, the fact that so much knowledge is locked behind paywalls in terms of journal articles. So people in the global South, for example, can't access this material. Anybody outside universities um, haven't been able to access um, the research that's paid for by their taxes. You know, it's, it, it's, it's ridiculous really that that's, that that's the nature of things and increasingly as we've moved away from sort of open access to more open research you know we live in an age of fake news um you know and it's really important that science is transparent and robust and that people trust it um and uh, you know universities have a duty i think just to really make sure that we're able to communicate the research and to make sure that it's accessible. And that doesn't just mean that you can receive, read the research paper, but it means that it's shared, you know, in plain language, for example. Um, Wikimedia is a really great tool for that. So making sure, you know, if you think, if you Google something, where do you land? You land on a Wikipedia article, you don't land on a research article. So it's really important that we in the, in the university make sure that Wikipedia is properly cited, for example, with primary sources, that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, there's just such a broad range of issues in, in, in open research, you know, whether it's open access, open and fair data. So again, we often talk about open data, but fair data, um, often data can't be open, but it can be fair because it might be restricted due to, you know, ethical reasons or um, contractual reasons, but it can be fair, which is findable, accessible, interoperable and reusable. Citizen science. Um, responsible metrics, social media, um, you know, blogs, plain language summaries, all of this, which can aid sort of collaboration. Um, and really just trying to think of everything as a first-class research object. So not just the final research article, but everything that goes into making that article. Um, yeah, this is just so much to get your teeth stuck into really with this stuff. So you mentioned an awful lot there that comes underneath this umbrella term. Um, and I think it's probably fair to say that our researchers may not be as clued up as we need them to be or as they need to be in terms of what open research is. What do you think the main challenges are that the researchers are facing? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I sort of uh, winced a little bit, I suppose, at the beginning when you introduced me as, a, as an expert on open research, you know, um, there's this only so much expertise any one person can have actually in a, in a lot of this. And I think that applies to a lot of what we do. Um, and certainly in terms of the challenges that researchers face is, as you say, that knowledge um, and it's moving quite rapidly as well. And they're also, I think, tied into the status quo very often. So we have this, you know, publish or perish um, culture in academia, I think, where, it's the journal impact factor that's very important. So, you know, this is the perceived kudos of a given journal because it has so many citations, et cetera. And it's all, you know, slightly artificial and um, not necessarily, well, it certainly isn't, this, you know, measuring the value of the science. It's just a proxy for that, for that science. 
but inevitably that's where our culture is at the moment academic culture and i think um trying to encourage researchers to think beyond that when that is after all their bread and butter and that's what they're um employed for very often in, in terms of you know getting those journal articles in you know high high impact journals so when we're trying to you know encourage them to think about the broader picture you know getting things out through preprints or sharing their data and code um, and all the other things that go with open research i think just getting them to first of all understand what those issues are um, and secondly you know to actually have the time given they're so busy with everything else uh, in their day jobs you know and this is extra really so yeah there's lots of challenges in that area so what given given the role that you have at the university uh what do you think we're actually doing well at Leeds what are we doing to support our researchers to maybe enable them to have more time to do this or to show them the benefits of doing that we're doing I think we're doing a lot of good awareness raising I think that's perhaps where we are as a sector at the moment to be honest in terms of of, of open research um you know there's lots of great communities at Leeds um lots of great conversations you know and I think that's a big part of of open research and culture generally you know research culture generally has been able to discuss the issues you know and, and very often perhaps in the past or even now you know big organizations can impose a policy from the top you know this is open access is perhaps a good example where the research funders sort of said you know your research has to be open access without necessarily engaging with the people that 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 impacts um and what i think we're trying to do now at leeds and across the sector more generally is talk to people you know understand people's concerns about how open research might impact their career options for example or you know worries that may be unfounded they may be founded you know in in the culture that they're working in and really trying to take people with them with you on that on that journey so I think that's you know the the main area I'd say that we're really trying to focus on at the moment is that dialogue and conversation um lots of enthusiasm as well at least you know um that's the you know it's a privilege often to work in a university and you know you meet lots of different people working in different disciplines in different areas and lots of different ideas and it's that enthusiasm I think that's really um pushing to the fore at the, at the moment but yeah awareness raising is perhaps where we are at the moment um but we are trying to lead that discussion um both at the university you know through the library and in, in the sector as a whole um and yeah there's lots of great discussions going on so you mentioned there very briefly about um, the different disciplines that we have at Leeds. And we do, we have quite, you know, we have seven different faculties. We have lots of disciplines. Do you think there are um, any clear differences between the levels of awareness or engagement between those disciplines? It's difficult to say. And I suppose, again, uh, I mean, I think there are, yes. And it tends to be from a, a STEM perspective. So science, technology, engineering and medicine perspective that open research has perhaps been mostly discussed um less so perhaps in the humanities um for example but um it, you know and, and it returns to the, you know you introduced me i suppose as an expert but obviously i've as i often say you know i've got a bachelor's degree in english you know i can read you know and when we're working in a big research intensive university you know with i don't know um electron microscopy or french history or um you know genetics or whatever it may be um, I'm clearly not an expert in those fields and trying to you know a big part of my job is trying to um, 
elicit what those issues may be in a specific discipline and trying to explore those in dis different disciplinary contexts. But more generally, yeah, I think there is perhaps a, a difference in awareness or even how it's applicable. You know, um, so we, we often talk about reproducible research to the extent to which research can be reproduced, which is one thing in the STEM disciplines, in the sciences. But does that even make sense in the humanities? You know, can you um, reproduce or, you know, can you even seek to reproduce research results in the same way in the humanities as you would in the, in the sciences? You know, I think that the context is so different that it doesn't necessarily make sense to even talk about it in the same context. And, you know, that's part of our challenge as central services supporting a big research intensive university. Um, but yeah, by and large, I think there is a more, you know, it's come from STEM subjects and trying to extend that through to the social sciences, the humanities um, can be a challenge. And Nick keeps saying he's not an expert, but trust me, mm. when we need anything to do with open research, Nick is our expert. So he's just, you know, he's doing himself a disservice here. Well, um, I, I, I am, but but at the same time, you know, I, I'm just trying to emphasize just, you know, and I think this is a big part of culture for me, the fact that, you know, the university is full of experts, but without the collaboration between those experts, you can't actually, you, you achieve a lot less. And I think that, I think that's one of the actual driving ethos of open research is that collaboration amongst experts is greater than the sum of its parts so yeah I'm try to be less self-deprecating but there, there is a serious <laughs> point he's linked really well back to um, collaboration which is what i talk about in my episode where you know in order for our researchers and our institutions to thrive we need to move away from that competitive nature often driven by the research outputs and more towards that collaboration so, Nick, you've mentioned as well about working across the sector, and I know you're engaged with lots of different groups and work that's going on. What changes are you seeing coming from them that might be applicable to what we're trying to do? Well, again, there's a lot of dialogue, a lot of conversation going on, a lot of different communities um, that I'm and colleagues um, are engaged with. You know, I've got lots of colleagues at other universities in similar roles to my own in libraries, for example. And lots of really interesting grass, grassroots um, activity. So one of the main ones is uh, an organization called UKRN, the UK Reproducibility Network, um, which again is a grassroots um, organization that came out of um, the University of Bristol initially, I think, but it's got a wide representation across HE now. Um, they were involved, for example, in submitting evidence to the Science and Technology Committee in Parliament last year, um, where they canvassed all their um, members uh, about, you know, some of the issues around reproducibility and research integrity, which is just part of open research. So that's, you know, a really sort of key organisation that's happening at the moment. But again, you know, that is driving from the bottom up. Um, but increasingly, we've seen funders as well um, focusing on open research practices. Welcome Trust has been sort of at the forefront of open access and now open research for a very long time, for example. Um, and the UKRI, so UK Research and Innovation, which is one of the main funders, obviously, in the UK. They've released a new open access policy um, in April this year. They've long been focused on open access, but increasingly they're starting to recognize the value of open research more generally. So they require now um, a data access statement, for example, in published research, that kind of thing. So we're certainly seeing a groundswell of um, activity through funders 
um, and organizations like UKON. You're also seeing, you know, I'll just quickly get in the fact that the University of Leeds has just last week actually released, well, I say last week as I'm speaking today, obviously, that by the time this goes out, it'll be uh, several weeks ago. But we've just published our university position statement on open research. Um, and we're a little bit late to the, the game there. There's quite a few universities that have done that before. The first was the University of Reading, I think. Um, and at last count, I think there's about 15, 16 universities with a similar sort of statement, which again illustrates the commitment to open research. Many of those colleagues that are working on that, I'm, you know, I'm, I work with at other universities. And again, it's that collaboration aspect, I think. That, that we're really, you know, we are working together, you know, uh, to try and promote these values and learn from each other and how it works in our different institutional contexts as well. So you've mentioned the funders, and I think we agree they've probably got quite a key role to play in driving some of this. Do you think they're doing enough at the moment or what would you like to see them do? They, I mean, they could always do more. I mean, now the extent to which they can actually change culture on their own is perhaps a bit of a moot point. I mean, one of the things that I would sort of highlight that obviously the, the funders have a role in and the universities as well. But I think one of the things that we're seeing through, this is from conversations here at Leeds, but also with colleagues elsewhere is the may, you know, are, are there the people out there with the skills to actually either support this agenda the open research agenda or researchers themselves with the skills to practice open research and the answer probably at the moment is no you know again someone like me you know i'm 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 self-taught you know I've, I've worked in open access for a long time but i haven't got a qualification in open research um you know there is no such thing there's there's no easy way of upskilling people i think in a lot of these areas um i know ukon have had similar issues so their model at the moment is based on uh, that they're trying to develop is train the trainer but again how you know have you got the people within a, a given institution with the requisite skills in different disciplines to actually train their colleagues in open research skills and again you know i think the answer at the moment is perhaps no you know quite how we create that one i'm not sure because it's it, you know the, the, there's so many different people involved with so many disparate skills but i think that is something we need to think about more generally, you know, it's research, uh, computing, library support, people like yourself in um, organisational development and professional learning, as it's called here at Leeds, but that sort of skills base as well. Um, so I think, yeah, I would say that's something that's perhaps lacking at the moment is that skill base and, and how best to equip people with the skills they need to encourage better open research practices in different disciplines. Brilliant. So I'm now going to put you on the spot and, uh, and and refer to you as the driving force behind a lot of what we do at Leeds to support open research. So Nick, what would you like to see happen in the next five years? One of the big issues for us at Leeds and again across the sector, I think that a lot of people are talking about is reward and recognition um, or the lack of, you know, as I said earlier, you know, people are expected at the moment to do this stuff on top of their day job and it's time consuming you know whether that's preparing a data set or trying to think even pre-registration I mean that's another term we haven't gone into detail but there's all sorts of different things that you can do as part of the open research agenda but it's not necessarily rewarded um, or recognized in the same way as say publishing in a high impact journal so you know that is what's going to drive behavior the fact that people still um, 
are we, you know, rewarded and recognized for that big journal article in nature and not necessarily for sharing their data and code and making sure that data can be reproduced or sharing it on Wikimedia or through plain language summaries or all the, you know, the different things that you can do through open research. So that's a crucial aspect, I think. The other thing that I think is um, interesting at the moment um, and that we have actually got a talk this week, although by the time this goes out, it'll be on the blog. So I do check the library blog at, the blog at Leeds for an event we're running on this Wednesday, which is about embedding open research practices in the curriculum. So, you know, not just postgraduate researchers and staff, um, the types of audience that you and I, Emma, you know, speak to, but also undergraduates, you know, they are the researchers of, of tomorrow. And if we can sort of normalize these types of practices through um, educating, you know, right from the outset with undergraduates, then that's going to feed through further down the line. And that's ultimately how culture change is going to, is going to occur. Um, the other thing I'd sort of highlight, I think, that's um, that's of concern, I think, to people like myself working in this field is the commercial ownership of a lot of infrastructure. Now, that relates to journals and, you know, the, the models of open access that have grown up through commercial ownership of, of the journal process. But increasingly, I think we need to think about supporting open infrastructure so there's initiatives like the open library of the humanities for example which is funded by different libraries a consortium of libraries rather than the apc or the article processing charge model of open access then there's lots of things like the open science framework which is a again a non-profit um organization that we as a library are looking at sort of supporting because again we you know we pay so much money to commercial publishers to make stuff open and really i think we should be trying to move away from that and actually contribute to the global commons through shared open infrastructure. But again, there's, there's all sorts of challenges with that. So yeah, they're, they're perhaps the three, three things I would focus on. Brilliant. Lots for us to think about there. And as quickly as we started, we are at the end, Nick. So thank you very much for joining me today, uh, for telling I us a that. bit more about um, why why you enjoy doing what you do and what people can expect. I'm going to leave the rest of this episode for you to give a bit of a pitch to tell our listeners what they can expect in the season that you're going to be hosting. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Emma. That was, uh, it's that been 20 minutes already. That was, uh, it goes, it doesn't time fly. Um, so yeah, well, the season on open research, I mean, to be honest, there's so much to talk about and so many people I would like to speak to both here at Leeds and, and in the wider community. So it's, you know, it's trying to, 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 to pull it together into something that's uh, sort of not too big and, and rambling, I think. Let's start with some definitions. So I want to talk to, um, I'm hoping to speak to um, Professor Hugh Shanahan. He's a professor of open science at Royal Holloway, where actually I did my degree. Not that that's relevant. We certainly wasn't there when I was there and we were operated in quite different circles. As I said, I did English, but he's professor of open science. Um, which is obviously open research as well. We tend to use the term open research to be more inclusive for the humanities. Um, so we've had a talk from him in the past and so, you know, thinking about what op is open research, perhaps considering what it means in different disciplines. We've been undertaking some case studies recently here at Leeds in um, different disciplines. So yeah, we'll certainly want to explore what open research means in the STEM subjects versus the humanities versus the social sciences. Um, I'm hoping to speak to colleagues involved in the 
Reproducibility Journal Club. So that's something out of UKRN I mentioned earlier. So the UK Reproducibility Network. We've got a thriving community here with the, through the Reproducibility Journal Club. So that's just a journal club talking about different um, articles around different aspects of uh, open and reproducible research. We'll talk to colleagues from Research Computing um, and how that relates to reproducibility. Uh, we'll talk about open research and infrastructure. So I was just alluding to that a moment and tools. Um, hoping to speak to Dr. Alexandra Freeman from Octopus. So that's a new um, open research platform that's got lots of potential, I think, to disrupt some of the things we've been talking about in terms of commercial ownership of, uh, of um, infrastructures. We'll talk to a colleague about open research in the curriculum. Again, as just referred to open education, we haven't even talked about. So open education is another big aspect that I'm keen to talk to colleagues about. And we're doing a lot of work there and trying to join up open education with open research and open science and just, you know, really promoting an open approach. Responsible research, assess research assessment. So things like DORA, so the Declaration on Research Assessment we'll talk about, and Wikimedia uh, and open research. So there's absolutely loads to talk about, as I say. Um, very looking forward to speaking to different colleagues and uh, yeah, hope to speak to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast. Please subscribe so you never miss out on our brand new episodes. And if you're enjoying the discussions, give us some love by dropping a five-star rating and written review as it helps other research culturists find us. And please share with a friend and show them how to subscribe. Email us at academicdev at leads.ac.uk. Thanks for listening and here's to you and your research culture.